0: This is Money, Motivation, and Mike, and I am your host, Michael Wainwright. In charge of the mothership is audio engineer, Jason Wright. And hello to you, world. This is the show that will change your life. You can contact us at info at mx3.vip and find all of our content at mx3.vip or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at mx3podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon to get notified of all of our New content, which comes out every Monday morning around nine o'clock. Jason, big day, big opportunities here to discuss some more history. I, uh, as as you know, I I come on the the show here. I talk about what we're going to be talking about in the future, and then something else hits me that I have to switch gears. You know, we've been trying to get back to those nineteen ninety cowboys for month and a half. But who knew that the Texas Rangers, by the way, the Texas Rangers are still the world champions of 2023 Major League Baseball World Series. Can't take it away from them. They did not take it away over the last week. Nope. The week plus. So we are, we are still the world champions of, of, of the world of baseball. And my uh, good friend and longtime listener of the show, Dax Powell, contacted me. And reminded me of when I was talking about on the previous episode of all the free agents that Ray, the Ray Davis ownership group has come in and signed to help the, 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 the Rangers now go to three World Series in 13 years. He reminded me that I forgot the biggest one of the bunch. And that's that? right. Mr. Cliff Lee. I I did not mention Cliff Lee on the 2010 team, who basically on that left-handed arm, uh, um, along with um, there was uh, C.J. Wilson. Those were the two guys that we rode to the World Series that year. But Cliff Lee coming on in mid-term, mid-season, there is no doubt we wouldn't even have won the division, alone little lonely to the World Series without Cliff Lee. So my apologies to the Lee family. And uh, it does show once again that people are paying attention to our uh, from our listening audience. And you know, Mister Dax Powell, he wants to come on and do a show and talk some baseball because those 2010 2011 years, he was the batting coach. I mean, excuse me, the batting pitcher, batting practice pitcher for when left-handers threw to the team. See, so they bring in guys who well condition and 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 have quality arms to throw batting practice before each game. So you're going to see a left-hander, they bring in a left-hander. You're going to see a right-hander, they bring in a right-hander. Uh, Dax Powell was on uh, the the payroll there with those Rangers. He has rings. He has American League Championship rings. Obviously, didn't win a World Series in 10 and 11, but he has, he has American League pennant rings that I'm sure he'll bring on the show and let us see. He also played on the last ever Southwest Conference Champions uh, Texas Longhorns you know that's kind of a name we don't use on this show mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we we do give it we we do throw it out that he put on the last ever Southwest Conference champions of 1996 uh, before Texas joined the big big eight which then turned into the big 12 but Dax thank you for bringing that to our attention and as we always like to talk about the listening audience and the viewing audience. And we have been more focused here of late on the viewing audience because it is skyrocketing um, uh, 77% in the last 28 days, Jason, to our subscribers on YouTube. And I know here in these early stages, but you got to remember, we've been on YouTube now almost a year. We're coming up on, well, we're six six weeks away, six episodes away from being on, on the YouTube channel for that long. And 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 we're growing by leaps and bounds, and I'm I'm very, very honored and very intrigued to see where we're going to be going in the year 2024 as we come along. Yeah, and I'm going to get back to the Cowboys, and, and and we're going to cover that. But, Jason, on November the 22nd, 1963, one of the biggest events in the history of this country, if not one of the biggest events in the history of the world happened, and that is the assassination of the 35th president of the United States. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. We are coming up on the 60th anniversary. Now, one little side note. My youngest grandson was born on November the 22nd. He is two he will be 2 years old here coming up on November the 22nd, but I had to go and touch on this. I've done a lot of history on the Kennedy family. I've done a lot of history on President Kennedy. And obviously, it's a big event. It was a a sore spot for the city of Dallas for a long time. Which, by the way, a lot of people give the credit for that sore spot going away to the emergence of the Dallas Cowboys, which we talk a lot about on this show. That it was always the town that killed the president mm-hmm. before it became the town of the world uh, the world champion Super Bowl champion Dallas Cowboys, but. I'm going to read through some things here and talk about some stuff. And then today, today and today only, Jason, on Money, Motivation, and Mike, I'm going to give you my theory of what happened. Because as I say, 60 years ago, we're coming up on the assassination. You know what that really means, Jason? Please tell me. 60 years of government cover-up on who actually killed the (laughs) 35th president of the United States. That's what I think. And, And I have my backup on why I believe that and impossible for one man to have been involved in the assassination of the 35th president of the United States. But on November the 22nd, 1963, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States was assassinated while riding in a presidential motorcade through Daly Plaza. If you've ever been to Daly Plaza, that's the when you pull in there. There's a lot of great architecture, that school book depository, all those things, the picket fence. Now, I don't know if the picket fence is still there. It was there for a long time. Uh, the grassy knoll, etc. If you've ever ridden through there, that's the first thing you think of is JFK. But during this time, Kennedy was in the vehicle with his wife, Jackie, Jackie O, as we call her, Jacqueline Kennedy. Texas Governor John Conley, who was a conservative. Now, remember, he's a conservative. Kennedy was a Democrat. And and they were there. The, one, of the, one of the main reasons for this visit was to smooth over the friction between the Democrats and the Republicans in the state of Texas. And while he was here, President Kennedy, he was going to start working on his 1964 campaign. So he was coming for several reasons, but that was the main jest, is to come and try to calm down some things that were going on between the Democrats and the Republicans. John Conley and John Conley's wife, Nellie, when he was fatally shot near the school board depository by former U.S. Marine Lee Harvey Oswald. The motorcade rushed to Parkland Hospital uh, Memorial Hospital, where Kennedy was pronounced dead about 30 minutes after the shooting. Conley was also wounded in the attack but recovered. President Lyndon Baines Johnson assumed the presidency upon Kennedy's death, as we have all seen the pictures of LBJ. In Air Force One out at Love Field. Remember, Jason, at that time, there was no DFW airport. Love Field. On on Air Force One at Love Field, LBJ would not leave Washington, even though the Secret Service was encouraging him due for his own safety. Now, he would not leave Dallas to head to Washington without Jackie O. Jackie O would not leave Dallas without the body of her husband, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. So as we all know, that took some time for that to all go down, but we've all seen the pictures of Lady Bird Johnson, Jackie O standing beside the president as he is sworn in as the 36th president of the United States of America on the runway of love field, right down, uh, probably six, eight miles from where president Kennedy was shot and killed. Now, we have all seen – there's two things that I remember about seeing all these videos from the president. Yes, the three of them standing there in Air Force One. The other thing that I that I always remember is legendary CVS reporter Walter Cronkite sitting at his desk, his news desk, as he reports to the world that the 35th president of the United States is now dead. I think we all remember that as he takes off those black rim glasses – and puts them on his desk while he delivers the news and i believe he called it the most difficult thing that he ever did on a newscast now as this unravels over time the warren commission now what you think about this the 10 the, the warren commission puts out a a report 10 months after the assassination 10 months later claiming that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone with his 91 millimeter rifle, and and don't forget he also killed Dallas police officer uh, uh, Tippett, uh, J.D. Tippett, J.D. Tippett, with a 38 caliber Smith and Wesson revolver. Now we can confirm that because there are eyewitnesses to that particular situation, but Lee Harvey Oswald acting alone. Alone with his uh, 38 um, uh, millimeter, ninety-one ninety-one millimeter, thirty-eight rifle, uh, is probably not something that that actually happened. Now I want you to go back and I want you to think about this, and this is where we're going to start with the grassy knoll conspiracy theory. There were things in the Kennedy administration that was very important to him. First, right off the bat, the Fidel Castro. Uh, Bay of Pigs, uh, you know, the Cuban missiles where we had the had had the missiles sitting down on the beaches in Florida and how we were going to overthrow Fidel Castro. That was a big deal. Going to the moon by the end of the decade was a big deal to the JFK administration. Civil rights was coming on, which was supposedly uh, his uh, JFK's biggest need for putting his own brother, Robert F. Kennedy, into the attorney general's office. Now, uh, civil rights, obviously, big thing, but the biggest item on now during that three-year administration was to go down and start trying to take down organized crime. Now, why do I leave that for last, and why do I even mention it? Because I believe that organized crime had a lot to do with the assassination of the 35th president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. Now, why do I think that? Now, we go back to when Kennedy was the senator uh, from Massachusetts, and he was getting ready to run there in the late 50s. We we will start with the fact of who was Kennedy's brother-in-law, Peter Lawford. Peter Lawford was a member of the Rat Pack run by Frank Sinatra, also Sammy Davis Jr., Dean, Simatra, uh, Dean Sinatra. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Let me start over. Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Joey Bishop, um, all a part of the Rat Pack. So, why would they have involvement in this particular assassination? Peter Lawford being a being a being a, um, a member, obviously he was brought in uh, by Dean Martin. I don't think I mentioned Dino's name a while ago, but Dean Martin and. What did What did Frank Sinatra do in the fifties to cut his teeth? He performed in nightclubs of clubs being owned by mafia members, M- most importantly, the Chicago mob. Now, Al Capone's already gone at this time, but that Chicago mob is still big one of the biggest syndicates in the country behind the Five Families from White, from from the, um, New York City. So, here we go. Lawford, brother-in-law to JFK, Lawford good friends with Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, good friends with mafia members because he works, in essence, as the entertainer of the mafia scene in their nightclubs. So, Daddy, Daddy Joe Kennedy pressures Lawford to put pressure on uh, Sinatra to put pressure on his mafia buddies because you got to remember, the mafia... Back in those days, I'm not going to say they ran the unions, but they had a whole lot to do with them. That's why the Teamsters and 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 uh, Jimmy Hoffa and those guys are all investing Teamster retirements in the casinos in Las Vegas because they're running that. You know, gambling, uh, uh, alcohol, drugs, prostitution, racketeering, money laundering. I mean, that is that is the mafia. So. If you can strong arm the mafia to persuade, if you can, str- if, if the mafia can go into a neighborhood and they can persuade this person over here to give me 10% of their sales every Friday because they are scared, they dadgum sure will go to a voting booth and vote for someone that you are insisting that I vote for. Because if that guy don't get elected, it don't matter if I voted for him or not, I'm going to get killed. Because that's that's how things went down back in those days. So, I believe that the mafia's involvement in getting uh, the 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 state of Michigan, the northern states in general, where maybe uh, Kennedy was not very strong, they were they were swing states, but they was were big time union states, union controlled by the mafia. Sinatra helps. Kennedy get elected by pressing on his buddies in the organized crime scene known as the mafia mafia. So now all this happens. Kennedy gets elected, puts his brother, um, Bobby Kennedy, Robert RFK into the attorney general's position and we don't go to the moon that year. Matter of fact, we don't get to the moon till 69. We do go down and put some missiles on the beaches and start up with the Fidel Castro. Civil rights getting going. But RFK goes to work on organized crime right off the bat. So what is he now doing? Going after people, going after groups that helped his brother get that position as president of the United States. I believe that the mafia had a big thing to do with The assassination of the 35th president of the United States in downtown Dallas, Texas, back on November the 22nd, 1963. I have no doubt in my mind. Now, let's go back here and and you think about some of these things. As secure as it is today, think about when this all goes down and you see those pictures. And think about how things have changed during that time. You look at the clothing that the people have on during all those videos well-dressed you don't see any logos there are no nike swoops there matter of fact most of most of the men have on suits and ties most of the women have on dresses okay did you notice in those videos if you go back how everybody looked thin there wasn't a whole lot of obesity going on in the 1960s no, there, wasn't. there also was a whole lot of smokers <laughs> Whole lot of smokers. You go back and you watch sixties, sixties uh, TV. There's a lot of smoking going on. I had to go back. I couldn't believe that Johnny Carson. You smoked cigarettes on on the set. Had a little ashtray right here to his right. I did not recognize that. Yes, and you can see the the, the smoke coming up uh, out of that little area beside his desk. But. Going all the way back, and 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 we're going to go through Daily Plaza here for a minute. So you, you think about on November the 22nd, when Air Force One arrived at Dallas Love Field at 1140 in the morning with President Kennedy and the First Lady. They boarded a 1961 Lincoln Continental Convertible Limousine to travel to a luncheon at the Dallas Market Center. That's where they were going. All right. It had been, I mean, th- th- there had not been a president ride in an open aired vehicle since they were riding in stagecoaches many, many, many years before that. So other occupants of the vehicle, obviously, as we've already talked about, but a couple, Secret Service agent Bill Greer, Special Agent Roy Kellerman, who rode in in the front passenger seat, and and obviously Governor John Conley, uh, the wife, they set forward and four Dallas police officer motorcycles accompanied the the Kennedy limousine. Vice President Johnson, Lady Bird, Lady Bird Johnson and Senator Yarbrough rode in another convertible right behind the president. The motorcade was going a 10 mile route. 10 miles designed to give Kennedy maximum exposure to the crowds by passing through a suburban section of Dallas down main street into downtown Dallas before turning right onto Houston street. After another block, the motorcade was to turn left onto Elm pass through daily Plaza and travel a short segment down Stemmons freeway to the, what's now called the world, the trade center, which back then was called the trade market. And the planned route had been reported in newspapers Several days in advance. Several days. Mm. So you're going to do something like this. You've got plenty of time. You know that they they of course they don't have open and do that anymore. But open open end on uh, to the air in your vehicle. But despite concerns of hostile protesters, Kennedy chose to leave the open against the Secret Service, FBI, etc., so that he could greet the warm, enthusiastic crowd that morning, November the 22nd, 1963. Things to be thinking about there. Now, as we have also talked about, the Warren Commission, there's a Rockefeller Commission, there's a there's a church committee uh, commission. They all agreed to the findings of the single bullet theory. The magic bullet theory is a lot of us refer to it because we don't particularly see how that could happen now. After the, the aftermath, they're in the Daily Plaza. As the motorcade left Daily Plaza, some witnesses sought cover. Uh, the others joined police officers to run up the grassy knoll to search for the shooter. Now, you think about that. Why are people running up the grass to the picket fence if they heard the gunshot from behind them? All right? Right. I know where a gunshot comes from. You, you, you can hear it over here now, and there are certain areas where it echoes around in the woods or in, in the mountains, et cetera. But you've got these people running up the grassy knoll to look over the picket fence. But supposedly nobody was there to uh, participate in the shooting of our president. Okay. Among 178 witnesses who testified at the Warren Commission, 78, Jason, were unsure of the shots' origin, forty-nine believe they came from the depository, twenty-one thought they came from the grassy knoll, and seventy-eight, as I said, were unaware of where they thought. Now, no witness was ever ever reported as seeing anyone with or without a gun immediately behind the the knoll picket fence at the time of the shooting, but that is a whole lot of contradiction. 49 out of 178. What is that? A little over, closer to 30%, -hmm. uh, somewhere in there, uh, uh, that that believe that the bullet came from the depository. All right, well, that leaves 65 to 70% that believe it didn't or are unsure. Right. But in a 10-month investigation, it was come up that we have a single shooter. I'm telling you. That's not the case. At 1238 p.m., Kennedy arrived at the emergency room of Parkland Memorial Hospital. Get this. I did not know this until I started doing my research. Although Kennedy was still breathing after the shooting, still breathing, Mm. his personal physician, George Berkeley, immediately saw that survival was impossible. After Parkland surgeons performed, now they call it, it's called cardiac massage back then. Kennedy was pronounced dead at 1 p.m., 30 minutes after the shooting, and then, of course, it goes to CBS and the Walter Cronkite that we've already talked about. Secret Service was concerned about the possibility of a larger plot and urged Johnson to leave, Dallas, like I've already said, and return to the White House. And then that's where all of the scuttlebutt come from, waiting on Mrs. Kennedy and then Mrs. Kennedy waiting on President Kennedy, her husband, and they and and, and you know also right off the bat. LBJ is already thinking about bad publicity of leaving them in Dallas while he returns to Washington, D.C. Um, At this time. Now, this is important because I've got some good things here about this autopsy. At the time of Kennedy's assassination, the murder of a president was not under federal jurisdiction. So you the feds did not have jurisdiction in Dallas, Texas. State County medical examiner Earl Rose insisted that Texas law be put into play and require him to perform an autopsy in Dallas, Texas before that body ever left a heated exchange between the Kennedy's aides and Dallas officials nearly erupted into a fist fight before the Texans yielded and allowed Kennedy's body to be transported on air force one at two thirty-eight PM in the afternoon, with Jackie Kennedy at the side, Johnson was administered the oath of office by federal judge Sarah Hughes aboard Air Force One shortly before departing to Washington with Kennedy's coffin. Already put into a coffin two hours after, after uh, the, the death. Now, one of the things I find intriguing right there, federal judge was a female in 1963. Impressive. And swore the president, number 36, into office. Now I bet you could ask that question to 100 people. And I bet 90 to 95 of them would not know that the judge was a female. Don't hey, now we were in the middle of civil rights. So maybe, who knows how the judge got there. Maybe that was her jurisdiction. Who knows? Uh, but I find it uh, ironic that Kennedy's you know, ran on civil rights and, and, and getting that type of stuff going. And we have a female who swears in LBJ into the president, presidency's office. President Kennedy's autopsy was performed at Bethesda Naval Hospital in Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C., on the night of November the 22nd. Jacqueline Kennedy had selected a naval hospital as the site of President Kennedy. Uh, because he had been a naval officer, a very good one in World War II. Got some Medal of Honors, I think, some kind of major, major stuff. The autopsy was conducted by two physicians, Naval Commanders James Hums and Thornton Boswell. Hums led the procedure under the pressure of the Kennedy family and the White House staffers to expedite the procedure. The physicians conducted a rushed and incomplete autopsy. Kennedy's personal physician, then near Admiral George Buckley, signed a death certificate on November the 23rd and recorded the cause of death as a shotgun wound to the skull. I did not know what I'm fixing to tell you as well. Three years after the autopsy, okay, Kennedy's brain, which had been removed and preserved for na- later analysis, at the okay from the first lady was found to be missing from the national archives. Conspiracy theorists often suggest that the president's brother, attorney general, Robert F. Kennedy destroyed the brain to hide the extent of the president's chronic illnesses and other things that were going on at that time. Some some autopsy x-rays and photographs have also been lost now the most powerful person in the world in 1963 his his organs come up missing 3 at 3 years later how is that even possible but it did i guess in 1966 you know it's like the other stuff that's going on do you rem- if you remember The Dallas police officer might even been a sheriff. I can't remember his name. He's got on the big cowboy hat walking through the basement of the Dallas. It had to be a Dallas police department holding up the rifle that supposedly killed Kennedy. No gloves on Mm. fingerprints everywhere, holding up the rifle. Now, when things like this happen, you don't even you never even see the guns. No, he's got the rifle out there in midstream, holding it up for all the reporters to take a picture. You know, they're they're touching it and turning it. Unbelievable, from where we were then to where we are now. Right. Uh, you know, we could go on and we could get into the the Jack Ruby part and 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 him killing Oswald and and remember Jack Ruby considered Dallas Mafia. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. so why does Jack Ruby kill Lee Harvey Oswald? Because Lee Harvey Oswald was part of the assassination coming from led by. Somebody in the US Mafia. Mafia was involved, Jason, I'm telling you right here and right now. And they can take that to the bank. You know, you 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 find out everything when you when you get to heaven. The JFK assassination is one of the things at the top of my list. <laughs> I will definitely want to know uh very quickly what, what where all that took place for sure. But but nevertheless, uh, those events and 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 I have also done a lot of research on uh, the mafia and organized crime, et cetera, et cetera, um, going all the way back many many years uh, of of when I first became familiar with the Godfather um, movie. And I know we have talked about having an episode on that as well. But nevertheless, today on Money Motivation and Mike, that is that is my thought process behind who killed the 35th president of the united states of america <clears throat> you can contact us anytime info at mx3.vip of course which i mentioned at the start of the show which dax powell has and you can find our youtube channel youtube.com slash at mx3 podcast and don't forget to hit the like subscribe icon bell to get notified of all of our content which comes out every Monday morning. As we come up on the 60th anniversary of the assassination of the President of the United States of America and what I also call the 60th anniversary of the government cover-up, it would be a great time to celebrate his life and the things that he did get going in the 1960s and the change that took place and a lot of the change that took place that we are now getting to live with, fortunately and blessed with the things that he started back in that time. So for everyone who's been a part of Motivation and Motivation Money and Mike in this episode continue to live your life the right way.